0: I'm Serginio Dest, and you're listening to BR Football Ring. Gentlemen, this is BR Football Ranks, the preeminent podcast of princes and paupers, football's finest phonic feast, the soaring, sensational serialisation of singing soccer song. My name is Jack Collins, the Ball Game Bard, and I am joined, thankfully, given the post-apocalyptic state that we are entering. By the twin pillars that the rank squad is built on. First up, the Ruler of the rumors, a tycoon of transfers, melon maestro, Steen Jones, still alive, still here. <laughs> Just about, eh? Just about. And of course, the oligarch of order, the rank god himself, Mr. Samtai.
1: Still here, baby. Can't get me down. Just about. How are we? Apart from being alive, it's subpar, actually. You've got a cough, sore throat. <laughs> I've got
0: chest pains. That's why today's pod is behind closed doors. Yeah, exactly. Today's pod is behind closed doors. I just want to dedicate this podcast to any of our listeners stuck inside in Italy, especially Luca Maltatsu, who I was talking to last night. Hope this helps to allay some of the boredom <laughs> and that you stay safe out there. That last bit goes out to any of the rank squad, wherever you are we don't know how these next few weeks are going to go but we will do our very best to keep these podcasts coming at you no matter what happens after the first segment we're going to be joined by a returning member of the rank squad the inimitable Miguel Delaney chief football writer at the Independent to talk the brand new Premier League Hall of Fame and who should be getting a space but before that it's time for melon of the week the return in, we forgot it last week mate and I you I forgot f- it yeah forgot. <laughs> we didn't forget it
2: yeah, I forgot it. Um, <laughs> I had a few messages about it and I thought, I can't let the rank squad down again. And luckily, there was a standout contender um, who did have a late, late <laughs> contender when Pepe Reina came charging out of his goal for Aston Villa like he'd forgotten something and left it in the changing room <laughs> um, while Leicester were on the attack. <laughs> but the m- melon of the week is... Oh, Hang on, you haven't done the, the voice? No. What? It's time for Miller of the Week. There we are. Thank you. This week's Miller of the Week is... Edison. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's Edison, yeah. isn't it? I mean, yeah. I saw it and I was like, oh, that's handy, that's that done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because that man has produced one of the blunders of the season, hasn't he? And it's in a game like that, a Manchester derby, a game you need something from for pride, if nothing else. I mean, obviously not going to catch Liverpool anymore, but he's been so good this season, Edison. Um and now it's all forgotten because he's passed to Scott McTominay, oh. who scored. Do you know what? Really good finish, by the way. Yeah, to score, agree. score also, like that. I think
0: if, in the like madness of the last minute and what he did, we forgot that he should have just saved the goal, the yeah. first goal. <laughs> You'll be like, uh, but I, yeah, so as I said
2: before many times, I don't like giving man of the week to goalkeepers. They really have to do something really melonish to get it, and that's it. That's exactly Throwing the definition it to the of it.
0: With your half, your goal open. Yeah. Also, uh, like I hate this, but. It's like the dying seconds of the game. It was like 95th minute, you know, of four minutes of extra time. Yeah. Get the, And you have the ability to launch cannons from your boot. Get the ball in the opposition box, oh, man. Oh, Crafford was buzzing, wasn't was it? It was loud as I've heard it in a long, uh, that, long time. That
2: was scenes, to be fair. Where, when McTominay put it in and celebrated, you could see how much that meant to everyone.
0: Yeah. United coming back. Absolutely. Right, Dean, it is Cheltenham week. But yeah. What else should I be betting on happening very, very soon? <laughs>
2: well, we've just both had a nice little winner on Cheltenham, haven't we, Jack, yeah, the old horse racing? Have. But um in terms of football, you'd have all noticed Harry Kane is back training for Tottenham. Nice timing to put this out, wasn't it, in light of uh, the way that they've been playing recently. But it looks like a race against time now for Kane to save Spurs' season, save his bid for the Euros, get a few games under his belt before um, England duty begins in the summer. The thing is, if he's going to stay at Tottenham beyond this season, I think the club need to offer him something very, very special because I don't see much reason for Harry Kane to stay loyal to them any longer. I think at this point he's en- entering a co- at the point of his career when the five years between 27 and 32 as a striker that's that's your time, that's your prime time should be. You're about to hit it probably around 28, 29 is when you're going to get your most goals. Unless you're Mbappé. <laughs> Unless you're Mbappé. Unless you're Mbappe. Is, is it worth staying at Tottenham any longer? Is he going to win a, Tottenham, a trophy with Tottenham? Now, the big problem for him from speaking to a few people is that Tottenham are going to value him at at least £150 million pounds to, if anyone wants to buy him. That's it's, reasonable, to be fair, given fair. the mark here. Yeah. He's currently on about £200,000 a week, which is a decent deal that Daniel Levy's given him. And Daniel Levy, as I'm told, feels quite confident that he can keep Kane, that he holds the power in, in any negotiations that they might want to open up. I just think that Kane's really got to think about it now, probably for the first time. I think what do I need now in my career? Do I do I stay is loyalty enough? I don't think it is. Well, Not if you want to be it's considered a like of where Mourinho's Premier of the League Hall of Famer,
0: isn't it? It's a question of where they're going to be. I'm mean, going to we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame yeah. a, a little bit later in the podcast, but <laughs> you know, something you've got to consider and I imagine we will consider later on is how many titles you're going to win, where these goals are going to land you. And at the moment, Tottenham, you know, they've been a brilliant side for quite a lot of years, but they feel like they're in a horrible transition period where look, the injuries haven't helped. And yeah. You know, but given where they are and where they're going to be next year. And given the way that Kane's played this
2: season under Mourinho, he's, it's been different for him. And I just wonder, like, are there clubs, out there that could get so much more for him just because of the players around him that could offer him opportunities that he's just simply never going to get at Tottenham I don't know why you guys think he would, he, would, he would fit best
1: but in in absence of trophy winning ability which is how you would probably mark Tottenham right now you need to be believing in a project to keep you around and under Pochettino he had the project he had the belief nowadays you can't be sure of that so I'm kind of with you there and I think he could play for pretty much anyone yeah um, like Bayern Munich don't need him because they have Lewandowski. But if Lewandowski wasn't there, he could play up front for Bayern week in, week out, and he'd be a star. He could play for Barcelona. He could play for Real Madrid. He could eventually replace Benzema. Like he's that good.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. As in, the, the question being, he could eventually
1: replace Benzema. Yeah, yeah but so Real Madrid think, not this not this summer. Fine. Well, you think Barcelona? He
0: walks into the side, no? You know, with Suarez on his, you know, way down and you know, with the injuries mm-hmm. being suffered yeah. in that way. Look, I love Luis Suarez. And there's a battle
2: no. coming up between Barcelona and Real Madrid. So I think that's a, it's a good point worth debating because they're going to be fighting for signings over the next two years to decide who's going to dominate, okay, the next five years, then decade longer than that. But we've seen how Real Madrid have been trying to grab all this younger talent. They're signing like... They're in a very, very good place. 16, the long 17 old. We are. talked about it in a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely. We? Um... But what about those players that are about to to hit their very best form, their very best years? You, need, you still need players like that. And Barcelona, it's not the worst shout to get one up on Real Madrid, who have liked Harry Kane for a long time, just haven't quite gone through with it. And obviously, they're going to have an eye on Mbappe this summer as well, and they would probably
1: prioritise him... Yeah, over Harry Kane might be a nice time for Barça. <laughs> imagine if, if in the summer, say Real Madrid picked up Mbappe, and in in, re, in reply, Barça took Harry Kane. Like that is going to get me interested in the Clásico again. Yeah. Hell yeah! Yeah,
0: no, it's a, There's a lot of fun things in the summer.
1: But Sorry, it's a Spurs very fans. Sorry.
0: Yeah, it, it does feel like this is It's a big. It's a crunch point, isn't yeah, it? I think he either so, now stays for life. Yeah. yeah. Or he I almost. Mean, his last goes... contract
2: was a six-year one, but I still never believe that six years means six years. Obviously, but. At this point, when he's turning 27, you know, you are starting to get towards that 30 point, which everyone kind of sees as the cut off, and then you're you're on the downward uh, slide. Unless you're
0: Lewandowski. <laughs> Unless you're Lewandowski. Lewandowski or, or Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Sam, aside from which horse is
1: going to win the Gold Cup later this week, what do I need to know? Well, I can't tell you that, my friend. But I can spin off Dean's news from last week regarding Manchester United's pursuit of Jaden Sancho and how it looks kind of increasingly likely that he's going to leave Dortmund. It's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. That means Dortmund are going to get a lot of money for him and that means they can they can consider quite a few people and they've got quite a big pool to choose from. And I've done their scouting for them. I've done it for free, although I will accept payment if they offered it. And I've decided that they should buy Musa Diaby from Bayer Leverkusen to replace Jadon Sancho. Mm-hmm. Should be easy enough. They'll be able to afford him with the Sancho money. And it's the same number they dialed for Julian Brandt last year. So it's probably on speed dial. Very easy conversation to have. <laughs> Diaby has been a magnificent player this calendar year, having been eased into Leverkusen's side in the first half of the season. And he's only been at Leverkusen for seven or so months because he joined from PSG in the summer. In a deal that you said was a very bad move for PSG.
0: And a very good one for Leverkusen. And
1: over the course of seven or so months, he has grown into something pretty fierce. I'd like to say that I haven't seen explosivity and dribbling like it, but I have. His name's Adama Traore. But that's where we are in terms of excitement levels. The burst he has, the way he knocks it round you and goes, is incredible. Yeah. The speed and the low centre of gravity in the strength. And Diaby has already started to tack on end product in a way that someone like Adama Troy hasn't early on in his career, in a way that someone like Alan San-Maximan, who was great at the weekend, amazing to watch, has taken him five years to put something on the end of these dribbles. Diaby's doing it already. He keeps nutmegging people and then chipping keepers. He keeps doing ball rolls in one-on-ones and sliding it past as the keeper dies the wrong way. He looks like he's taking the piss. Like He looks like he's having so much fun when he plays football. And he makes it look really easy. It's a nice thing to say. Now, this is a €15 million deal for Leverkusen last summer. And I've, I've scoured the internet and I've asked as many people as I can. And for the life of me, I can't find any evidence of a buyback clause for PSG. Which is why I was so critical of it to start with. Because it has only taken this much time for that to look like a grave error. Because I think this guy is so good that... If, if PSG still had him and they lost Mbappe, they'd be well within their rights to ask if Diaby is the, re- is the replacement. He is that good. He's that good. Now, he's going to cost a lot of money if he goes, and Leverkusen may not be willing to part with him and Kai Havertz in the same summer, and that would be fair play. So this is by no means uh, one and done. But Diaby is someone that you guys need to know, you guys need to be aware of. He's made ridiculous strides in the last seven months and he's destined for the top.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's, a, that's big praise. Also, anyway, we saw Paulinho make his uh, long-awaited Bundesliga bow for Leverkusen at the weekend. Just the, what, two goals and one assist, was it, I think? Not bad. Yeah, even yeah, if yeah. they do happen to lose the RB, they might have a ready raid replacement in the wings. Yeah. So that's nice. Right, something I love this week is a bit different. And it's my latest scheme for the rank squad. <laughs> it is called Ranks FC. Now, bear with me. You can get involved with it each time it becomes a thing. Ranks FC is a bit like a book club, but for football games to watch. So we're going to pick a game this weekend and we're going to all watch it and we're going to live tweet about it using the hashtag Ranks FC and you can get involved on Twitter and have some fun discussions and watch hopefully what will be some great games of football. Given I have first pick, I've obviously gone with two things I love, derbies and Real Betis, which takes (laughs) us to Seville where El Grand Derby will be happening this Sunday, 8pm UK time, 4pm Eastern, 1pm Pacific. And we will all be online supporting Los Verdes Blancos, or I will, and uh, watching some good old action in La Liga. It's also behind closed doors, which is going to be interesting, given that it's a derby. Yeah. There's a lot of derbies this weekend, and loads of them are going behind closed doors. Obviously, the Revier Derby in, in Germany. Yeah, yeah. There's this. sucks, insane. really, doesn't it? It's very upsetting. Some of the biggest derbies in Europe. I mean, this going game, yeah, this fixture in particular,
2: like that's such a waste of that game. I know, yeah, I know. that's a shame. You'd imagine that the outside scenes will
0: be, quite yeah, I do wonder, like, anyway. they're still all going to be mingling just outside instead? We're going to rotate the picks for Ranks FC. So this one is my pick, oh, but that's good. next next week it might be Sam's, it might be Dean's. We'd oh, love it's a you. Oh, weekly thing, right? well, we'll see how it goes. Okay. We'll see if what anyone it, actually the input bothers is Like the output is like, but yeah, if you want to get involved, hashtag Ranks FC on Twitter. You can find all of us on there get involved and hopefully we'll be watching some good games and growing the rank squad
1: as we go i'm going to pick a third division german game when it's come my turn thanks sam
0: right well that is all for the first segment which leads us on to this week's big rankings after the break with miguel delaney of the Independent. Welcome back to be our football ranks, where it is time for this week's big ranking, and we're delighted to welcome back an old friend of the rank squad—the only man more controversial online than our very own Sam Tai, <laughs> titan of the Twitter sphere, chief football <laughs> writer at the Independent, Miguel Delaney. No, welcome back. Thank it's you. you. Thank Good you. to have yeah. you back. Bye. Last time we recorded with you, Miguel, this studio was not a studio; it was four very tight things around a a table, and uh, look where we've gone.
3: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Absolutely a beautiful setting. You know, a Hall of Fame setting. Exactly. Ah. (laughs) There
0: we are. Well, today we are going to be discussing that Premier League Hall of Fame, March 19th, the first two inductees, and you're going to be talking through your top 10 candidates to join that Hall of Fame. The only rules then, in advance for the listeners, are they have to be retired, Mm -hmm. and only their Premier League stats count, Mm -hmm. so... Without further ado, I'll throw it to you and we'll start to roll one. through.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think that's totally fair, Re, their Premier League careers only counting. The retirement thing meant they had to take out Ronaldo, Rooney and Aguero. Yeah, they are Premier League yeah, exactly. No and, and also two, actually all three, they're pretty much at the end of their careers yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, Ronaldo's so. never playing in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. And Gareth Barry. Yeah, yeah, oh, and Gareth Barry, of course. <laughs> uh, so that meant three, three made it in belatedly just when I, when I was informed that I had to do that. Uh, and the first of those was uh, Paul Scholes. Like number ten, you got skulls. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think the issue. I mean, really, people won't like to hear this, I suppose. But if you, uh, this list really should be dominated by Manchester United players because they remain the dominant Premier League team, mm-hmm. uh, having won what thirteen of them, uh, and skulls around for all but two of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only issue with that as well is when you have when a team is that, or when a club is that good, it also makes the importance of any single player a little less. Yeah. So as exceptional as Scholes was, I mean, that's why he's only 10 in this. And also, there's, a fact, I mean, I think he was brilliant when he first came through as a playmaker or kind of a playmaker come kind of striker in the mid-90s. Then as kind of Keane's alternative partner to Nicky Butt, for the late 90s. And people people forget about Skulls. He did kind of go missing for about four years. He did. yeah, is that because we put him on the left for England? <laughs> uh, maybe it did coincide with that, to be fair. I think that people actually, like,
2: goals are one of those players that benefits from looking back at his career rather than at the time. At the yeah. time, I don't think he was really appreciated anywhere close yeah, to yeah. how he is now.
0: You saw, I think, that kind of element of the way he changed positions was... You know, kind of crucial because you see him as you know early doors and he was like a striker. Beyond me, like really, really close to a striker to the point where when he returned to Man yeah. United that second time round, almost the big
1: return Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was his case. Like they, he left and then they were they were struggling and he was like, let's bring Scouli back in. And like the, and the very great. the very first game really he good. played back in, he it was quality. It was actually
3: a period when Ferguson refused to sign a midfielder as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it like was so bizarre it's um, a weird one but yeah there we are Paul's goals in 10
0: we will roll through these first okay
3: games. maybe a slightly controversial one here at 9 I remember when we did a similar one for the independent I got I was a bit criticised for this and especially because I, th- I think this player will go in very high maybe an immediate vote into the Premier League all of him. but only at 9 for me Shearer mm-hmm. uh, wow yeah. the Premier League some goals for that, for that right? yeah the thing about that is I mean obviously paramount in this is performance which is Shearer uh, undeniably offered over a long time but I think it also has to be about the impact of that performance as well. Yeah. And I mean, I was, actually, I was thinking about it when I was walking up here from, from that perspective that he, he, all right, he, he's, a, he's a hometown legend. I'm sure that's, that's all he wanted. And yet, given the talent he had and given the amount of those goals, this is a player that really should have been scoring those goals to decide titles much okay. more regularly. And He bottled it.
2: He should have joined he, United. Yeah, he not
3: bottle it. He, did. he went back to his boyhood club. He bottled it, mate. You can't really criticize that. It's
1: okay, I, I can. I can understand the argument that his goals didn't win titles or didn't necessarily yeah. mean as much. But he definitely like he won the league at Blackburn. Like.
0: Obviously, is there an element of you know that kind of as to where Harry Kane is? If Harry Kane stays at, yeah. at Tottenham and he you know sends the rest of his career kind of playing in, the, in, in a high level but never necessarily at the very top, challenging for titles. Are but, we going to be discussing Harry Kane in ten years' time in the same vein? That and that's a little it's,
3: it's a little bit of contradiction, Harry. Kane. Because, if you, if you know, everyone you, you talk to about him and the way he talks about himself, he strikes as basically just sort of Cristiano Ronaldo character that, that does absolutely everything possible to hone his career so he's the ultimate machine to win, except not join, join, a, join a club to win something. Yeah, uh. it is, there is a similarity there for sure. Yeah. Or, yeah. He's
1: on 136 goals at the moment, Kane. So he's like not really that far outside the top 10. Les Ferdinand mm-hmm. on 149. Next season, Kane will enter the top 10 of all-time goal scorers. And this this conversation probably will be had over and over again.
3: Yeah, yeah. Who's in at number eight? There we go. Number eight, Drogba. Um I was thinking maybe should be should he be a bit higher? Um, maybe because they have got two Chelsea players ahead of him. Mm. I won't say who yet, but I mean, probably pretty obvious. <laughs> 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 but if you look at his influence in comparison to those two, it wasn't quite as Especially because if you actually go back to his first two seasons in the Mourinho. He didn't play or score as much as you you actually think. Even, even yeah. though he's pretty much he would see Mourinho's ideal forward. Uh, he was obviously an important member of the team, but it was only really in oh nine ten when he became um, when he became a proper like t- top class. Goal oh, school. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd obviously there
2: was the the buy Champions League game which is yeah. kind of a, a crowning moment Well I guess you, like you can't count football. it can't yeah. count That's that. <laughs> what I mean So when
3: I think of Drogba I just think of Champions yeah. League I don't actually and, and, think... and, and, Yeah He was a big champion like, You were about to say yeah, yeah. Sam yeah. He's a big game player Big For me those
2: biggest games that I could remember anywhere off the top of my head came in the Champions League yeah. well, I think but even, was, even in the, the FA Cup
0: stuff. final and things like that they're not allowed yeah. to count You know you talk about this in how it sits I mean I think won four Premier League titles. You'd find few people who are going to disagree with his, you know, inclusion at some point in the hall. I think where you where yeah. where he sits in a list is probably the, you know, the debate topic here. Um, and I guess it comes round to you look at Drogba and you look at Shearer and you look and, and again like has got four titles, Shearer has one and Drogba's goals fired him toward, fired him and his team towards those titles. Yeah. So if if that's the kind of crowning factor, that's the debate I suppose between between these two and you know Shearer's yeah. obviously scored more goals. He you know put the team on his back maybe a little bit more than Drogba mm. did in mm. terms of that Chelsea team was probably a better all-round team mm. but the question then be is you know how much does a title count as yeah. opposed to longevity or how much does a you know that's the, the does silverware trump gold yeah. I mean everyone's list
3: will be different absolutely yeah people will value things very differently yeah. right and for me I'm, I'm probably a bit not mathematical but a bit uh, more colder about and it. it's about kind of impact uh, or performance and impact and and how it translates to achievement, um, which kind of guides a lot of this list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Who's next? Next up is one of our Chelsea players, <laughs> John Terry, okay. uh, who will be a controversial one, of course. Um, a lot more. That's more outside the Premier League. That's <laughs> what <laughs> uh, so we meant. This game. Another episode. <laughs> yeah. Only measure Premier League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, again, I mean, and there's an argument here about the Premier League's best ever centre half. Uh, and whether he should be ahead of people like uh, Vidic, Ferdinand. Uh, and I suppose really maybe what separates Terry from me here is that he really was a, like a prominent, absolutely influential player in what, four different title teams? Mm-hmm. Well, three actually, sorry. Um, but one or twice, the original Mourinho team, which he, he pretty much was Mourinho's idealised defender. Then the, the... year that they, yeah. he won. Did he win player of the year? Yeah, yeah. And they conceded like one or two goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> then 2010, obviously, when they were a very different team and yeah, he still flourished. And then 2015. Uh, and then oh, I suppose he was, he was still, still there for Conte. He was still there, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, he still played a role. Yeah. yeah. They, they played him for half an hour and then subbed him off on the last game, yeah. didn't they? The, the less said about that, I think,
3: <laughs> the better. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah.
0: But I think maybe even to contextualise that further, you look at Vidic in kind of... I station you kind of only really think about him as partnering yeah, exactly, Ferdinand. Yeah. Whereas you look at John Terry's partners down the years from, you know, Carvalho and Galas and yeah. you know, all of those Aihel, different yeah. players that did different roles, and Cahill even yeah. towards the end of it, then and that's where I suppose his longevity and you know his versatility and some yeah. ways come into come into play.
2: Yeah. I mean, you won't see many players like Terry again, is one thing that he's got on his yeah, side. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I mean, there are aspects not only in his attitude in terms of loving a football club as much as he did. But the type of leader he was, they don't mm. really exist in the modern game anymore. And Not they, like that. They they probably won't come around again. The type of personality he had, he was yeah. he was kind of a dying breed of player. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah.
3: And it's kind of re- really this Terry Butcher style, bloody you know, bloody nose, bloody minded Brazilian. Yeah. I mean, again, if we, if we look at the incident, that's all in our minds, I suppose, the Wayne Bridge incident. But if you even go back to the height of that, and there was that game, obviously, where City destroyed them 4-2. But then... Really at the at the peak of that, Chelsea were, had suddenly started struggling a bit. Terry was obviously under huge personal pressure. Then there's that game where, of course, he scores the, the winner against Burnley and, of course, it's a header. And there were a lot of those
2: moments. There right? were a lot of those moments and that, that is a good
3: point,
1: actually. I hadn't thought about the fact
2: that he weighed in with some really important goals. Influential at both ends of the pitch. Yeah, it seemed to be really good watch.
1: for five or six a season, which is yeah. kind of Ramos levels of goal scoring for those ten years ahead. How do you roll around in your head measuring centre-backs against forwards in, in this regard? Because, obviously yeah, you want to go with trophies, you can't help but go a little bit statistically. And obviously, <laughs> I know, yeah. One thing is much easier to measure than the other statistically. Go- ultimately, goals will give you the extra two points.
3: Defenses yeah. will preserve you one. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit... <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's just part of the game, isn't it? When yeah. you choose to be a defender, I'm afraid that's the price you're paying. You're probably not <laughs> going to win the personal award. Well, one thing on centre backs is fairly or unfairly when I when I remember them, I, I think about how much fear they instilled when, yeah. I, when I was com- when my team was coming up against them. Yeah, and Vidic was the one that I was genuinely terrified of. Like I, I would behind, before the game, I think there's absolutely no chance that we're going to find a way around this guy. Not necessarily Terry, mm. which. I'm not saying Vidic should be ahead of him because I think longevity also has a factor, but these, these are the top two. And I don't think Ferdinand, I ever felt scared of
3: him in Yeah, that, in, yeah. That regard, in the way that I did against Terry or Vidic. Yeah, and you knew any, any team knew they had a battle. And it's, that's a good kind of almost another guide for this whole list as well. And uh, When you saw these players and you have, like, how, you, how you perceived them if you had to play against them mm. and which fear they instilled in you. And you know, with, with Terry, you knew you were going to get a battle. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely.
0: Well, that brings us into number six. We're rattling towards the top five. Uh,
3: another battle. Pa- Patrick Vieira. Uh, and again, because again, I suppose some, a lot of this list has come down to almost being parsed out among the great, the great teams of the era. And Vieira was, was in, was really the heartbeat of three great title-winning teams. Yeah. Um, I, I, and actually, he, he was, I, the one thing about him as well, really he was quite constant as a force. So I suppose he kind of re- remains relatively the same as a player throughout that throughout '98. Where I mean, I, I do particularly remember him in that run in because Arsenal had been good that season, but they hadn't. they are still only really kind of bubbling under. Then it was that spring in 1978 when they really took off. And I think Vieira almost scored about two, three goals that rolling. I remember one of them was like a brilliant a surge forward and a shot into the top corner. I think it was against Blackburn. Um and and that was he just he just gave all of Wenger's sides. Who and let's not forget, we're often seen, particularly in some of those matches against Manchester United, that could be a, a team to get at. Whereas Vieira always maintained that the power to the team while obviously offering a proper poise and control. Mm. Mm. He was such a breath of fresh air I think in the Premier League when it when he came through and everyone was about like who's this
0: midfielder what's what's going on here and suddenly you know like you say yeah. the the main man for three separate title winning teams and uh, you know I think of that Arsenal and those sides and I think of Vieira the, the he's the very much the kind of pinnacle of what those sides were about and you know even now I think you find Arsenal fans have been like, we've never replaced Vieira. Yeah,
1: yeah. you, you can measure a player's legacy by how long, how many years <laughs> yeah. do you pine for another <laughs> of those afterwards, and Arsenal fans still want a Vieira. Yeah, yeah, it's, which it's means totally so true. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Such a force. I think,
0: yeah. Is a force of nature in the middle of the park. And, you know, you think of those great United Arsenal battles. Yeah. And you think of Vieira and you think of all the things around that. Do you think there's a player like him right now? Is there anyone you can think
2: of that you would compare to Vieira? Hmm. I can't really.
0: No, not really.
2: Because I mean, of his athleticism and his tenacity, like I can't see anyone with well, those. Three- uh, I'm Sergei Milinkovich
3: Savage. M- yeah. Maybe the goal that best sums up, if you give Vier in that way, is that one against Everton, which, you know, there's a powerful run in the middle, and yet still that kind of delicate chip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, there they just aren't many players but that have But you've both got to
1: mix that with the defensive acumen that he mm. had as well, yeah, and that kind of presence, and it's just really difficult. Yeah. Really, 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 really difficult makes to play like that. Like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, that's <laughs> it. That I mean, right. It's a
0: testament to how many greats, yeah. you know, have mm. played in the Premier League at the time. So let's get into that top five. And <laughs> Yeah,
3: here we go. This one, they didn't really cross over too much at their absolute best. Vieira with Frank Lampard mm. it was, and actually it was just when v- Vieira left was it 05 yes yeah. it was and that was when Lampard was really coming into his peak as a player under, under Mourinho uh, and it, like, he'd obviously had like, a bit of a, a spell at West Ham it was almost a different kind of, sort of, kind of incarnation of player and then at Chelsea he kind of became initially under Mourinho the, the complete modern midfielder really and uh, I mean again it's such a neat, it seems such a simplistic thing to look at but it, it's so pronounced that you can't avoid it the, the, his goal return it was absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's like 20 a season in all competitions, right? Like, <coughs> yeah, and 15 like, of them were deflected. <laughs> <laughs> he did love deflected goals, but. Right place, right time. Yeah, exactly. He you know, used to make the same run. We still name that run, don't we? That Frank mm. Lampard runs the box. It's that timed run. Yeah. Again, he's got, he's got a, a part of a legacy in that a certain action on a pitch that he did over and over again that you couldn't stop is named after him in a way. Yeah. yeah.
3: And that's another thing as well. When a player becomes so known for one move, and I just say, you still can't do anything about it. I mean, like another classic being the one of his teammates, uh, the, the Robben cut yeah. inside and curler, uh, and Lampard almost had it. And I suppose that comes down to um, it comes down to instinct almost, and just nature rather than ability. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. being able to, you know, a football brain.
2: There is. I mean, the Mourinho that we see these days as well was nothing in comparison to the Mourinho yeah. that Lampard had right then, who was the best man manager in football at the time and completely changed the game in that sense. There's the famous story about when Lampard was in the shower at Chelsea and he's there showering and Lam- and Mourinho walks in and just says to him, you are the best player in the world. And Lampard talks yeah. about it and says, obviously it was a very strange moment, but it was almost seems like a moment that changed his thinking yeah. and changed his um, ego, if you like, to believe that he was that kind of player. And now Mourinho goes around belittling people rather than bigging him yeah, up most yeah, of the yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> He's changed obviously. But back then Mourinho built players like Lampard and Lampard owes basically owes him his career because of of the way that he was able to yeah. lift him to a level that I didn't ever think would have been possible when he joined Chelsea. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, there's the famous interview, isn't it, at West Ham? Where yeah, yeah. It's like, what about Scotty Canham? And, and, and look, the fact that you don't know that name is, I imagine most of our listeners... Yeah, apart from that. <laughs> you know, aside from that, I think it's testament to, you know, the belief that was in him, but also his ability to actually raise himself out of that mire and, and into yeah. stratospheres above it. And, you know, I, I think it's probably worth bringing up now that there's obviously going to be... This eternal Gerard Lampard debate, yeah. and it will rage forever. But I, I guess not in this list
3: yet. I, I, I well say so he's not in the all. Oh, yeah. so and, I, and that purely comes down to uh, show us your medals. Because uh, yeah. I think if it as a Premier League Hall of Fame. It's even, you, I think you've got to have won it almost. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. like, no, that's probably going to be far because you're overlooking kind of players with impact certain clubs, but. Yeah, but We're talking top. We're talking. Yeah, top, we, we're, top we're, we're talking top Yeah, yeah. That's true. If you've played at a club like
2: Liverpool for that long yeah.
0: and not won the Premier League,
1: yeah. then
2: it is going to go against you. Isn't yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about Mourinho and and what he was there. If he had signed Gerrard in the way that he wanted, and you know, in the, in the case that so nearly came through. Yeah. People forget how close I think that yeah. was to actually happening. Yeah. Then then maybe we talk about Steven Gerrard. You we, we would talk about Steven Gerrard in this list. I mean, maybe I think league I'd league probably have yeah. him. I think I'd probably have him in there. Not, just based on what he brought to a side that was struggling, but, you know, parameters are parameters, he? Yeah. Guess, and he person's list is different. But if he had signed there, then perhaps he would be sitting in your list.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I well believe that, to be honest, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Especially <laughs> top ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he, he's just outside. Um, just yeah. outside. I'm right. heading
2: into the big guns now.
3: Okay, yeah.
2: You haven't said <laughs> my favourite player of all time yet. Oh. But That's number four is? Eric Cantona. Eric is. My oh. favourite <laughs> player of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said it
3: now. Um... <laughs>
0: I could,
2: he had to become
3: him. Yeah, but the, the obvious thing that people have gone about is transformation to Manchester United, all of that. But I actually think what really, when you, when you go back to his career and look at it, I, I, I did a piece on it recently in, in, relation in relation to the whole. I've done a piece on it recently. That's a lot. In relation to the Crystal Palace incident. But yeah. then obviously the aftermath of that. And what really stands out with Cantona, I, I think, is that I don't think there's been a running player like him. Particularly in '95, '96, yeah. when he was there, was so, United had something like six, actually, I, I should get those stats up because I've got them here. Um, yeah, the night he was absolutely. Yeah, it? the amount of one-nil wins United had where he scored was Spurs, Newcastle, Arsenal, different ranges of goals. I mean, we were talking about the, the ultimate clutch player. It that really way.
2: was. It was. It just became a thing. It was like I'm going to watch Man United weekend. It'll be one-nil. Yeah, that that was just how it was, and and he just set them apart in that in that time when they were a good team. The comparison. I w- would
0: make with people who are young and didn't... Well, see I was going to say, I never watched Cantona. I'm mm. too young. You have to probably give me a case, because if I look at Eric Cantona, right, and I look at his six seasons yeah. in the Premier League, I look at... Five league titles. That's impressive. Mm. But 6, 9, 18, 12, 14, titles, no. 11 goals. Look at Matt Latissier's goal record. 15, 25, 19, 7, 13, 11 in a far weaker team mm-hmm. with far worse players around him did it by himself in a very similar from what people your generation, mate. You're looking at yeah. stats.
3: <laughs> and against that, well, and to give a stat, in, in, I've got it here now finally. So that 95-96 season with, with the crowning moment of us being the 1-0 against Newcastle, that was one of nine games where Cantona scored the decisive goal. Sometimes the equaliser more often than not, the Winner. winner. Five of, those, five of those games are 1-0 wins with four of them coming in the last 10 games. So we, we are talking... If, if, you, if you want to run in, yeah, yeah, player for the run in.
2: So you think, like back then, most teams played 4-4-2 and Cantona was your target man and then he was just teeing up whoever was around yeah. him, whether it's Gig, whether it's Mark Hughes, whether it's whoever's playing around him at that side. In terms of what he brought to the club, United at the time were kind of like how Liverpool were um, before Van Dyke arrived. Yeah. So they were a big club, they were a good team... They weren't a winning team, and Cantona brought authority. He brought the ability, and he brought the mentality that turned them into the best club of the next twenty years. And so that kind of that's the comparison I could make in terms of like the mind and yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the kind of body that, that Van Dyke's brought to Liverpool. But it's so much more than that because Cantona, like, he was a big, big yeah, bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had the touch of like Messi. It was unbelievable, like the little flicks he had, the way that he could bring a ball down. You're basically describing like Zlatan style, he was like, Yeah, yeah, he, he you were yeah, very yeah. similar to Zlatan, he yeah. was very similar yeah. to Zlatan. Um, and I was actually at the game when he when he kung fu kicked the fan, I was at that match. That was Dean, um, <laughs> and, and you know what, that was quite a scary night. Like, really, I was, I was, there was aggression on it, yeah, yeah. I was a young kid, and I saw the other day people comparing like when Eric Dyer went into the stand, saying, I mean, yeah. Oh, it's like the Cantona moment, that was not like the yeah. Cantona moment because. It was so fiery in that yeah. second, and everyone was riled by it. And they're like, "What's he done? Like, he's actually assaulted someone instantly." And <laughs> wait, wait, wait! The, the yeah. here—it's insane when you actually look at it. It's it, crazy yeah. what happened. It's crazy. It, like, we won't get
3: into the ins and outs of, mm. of, of like what was said and whether. You yeah, know, but, but the thing—I mean, the context of the guy he did it to and yeah. what was said to him. Rather than take away from Canton, you have this big spoiling mark, but it's become kind of it's only added to his mythos. Because he didn't just, you know, attack a random fan, like did actually, Exactly. Did his temper mean you didn't put him any higher in this list and like the fact that he did that? No. The only reason he wasn't higher, I think, because maybe this is a little harsh, but he played in a lesser quality. Premier League era. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, no, again, you just there's nothing dog- you could do about that, yeah. but that's the yeah. way it
1: was. It's hard to shake when you go back and you look at these highlights and these goals. The pitches are an absolute mess. <laughs> like, it, the aesthetic is completely yeah. different and it yeah. does it, it does hammer it home it to It is hard you. to judge players from different eras, for sure.
3: Um, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. We've got to our top three. Obviously, there are only going to be two people mm-hmm. inducted next week yeah. on March the 19th, but I think this is the the point where, you know, we really start to dig
3: into yeah. these people. So who have you got the three? We're people? judging you now, mate. Number three, Ryan Giggs. Okay, uh, and th- this really is one about the numbers and the longevity. Yeah, um, and also, and I suppose as well, also the number of different versions of Ryan Giggs there was, which is, <laughs> I suppose, if you're going to last for almost twenty years, it's going to be the case. <laughs> but it was, it was incredible. I mean, first of all, you've got kind of the sprightly winger. Huh. Um, then, then there was a while when he was when he became kind of almost a, a number ten figure, especially in Europe. I suppose that's not relevant to here. Then I think it's often forgotten the trouble he had with injury I mean, ninety 98, where there were a lot of fears that his hamstrings could actually possibly destroy his career uh, or not destroy his career but take away what made him so good. Then um, comes back again to, um, a better winger player, more complete. Then move, moves into almost midfield at United, where he and becomes a controller, almost goals like. I mean, if you if you compare gigs, say to um, sorry late, early gigs to latter gigs. I think one of his standout moments was in the Manchester Derby in September 2009, the 95th minute. Owens finished, obviously, whatever everyone remembers, but Giggs' outside of the pass ball was was skulls like for that. It it was incredible. The vision out of nowhere. I've got two
1: memories of Ryan Giggs in two different I've got like shaggy haired, hairy chested Ryan Giggs scoring that goal against Arsenal in the 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 FA FA Cup. Blitzing the left wing and and hit and smashing it into the corner, and a sort of grey-haired, short-haired Ryan <laughs> Giggs patrolling the middle. You can't get near him; he's yeah. one second ahead of you the entire time. Yeah, those memories are fif- like potentially fifteen years apart. Yeah, yeah years exactly. Apart. Yeah, he's yeah. at the top of the g- top of the game, and
2: each yeah. Instance. My favourite Giggs was definitely the like seventeen, eighteen-year-old yeah. Giggs because he used to. He'd get the ball. He was so left-footed, barely ever touched the ball with his right foot. It was literally for standing on. And he would just run and dribble and swerve between people. He would use his body. The ball wouldn't actually yeah. move. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. And he would just move his body, and the the players would be falling over. And the ball has <laughs> actually moved. It's just that his body, he's just tricked everybody. Yeah, his yeah, feints yeah. were just unreal. It, it was
3: almost like he was floating as well. As you say, you he he didn't really need to touch the ball, but the ball was going the same speed he was. Absolutely was, that. Was, yeah. And his pace was unreal. Um, his crossing was
2: brilliant yeah. and, and back then when he first broke through of course crossing was a major part of the game Yeah, um, which
1: two, st- two strikers in the box yeah absolutely really? well, and he, well, a, a, another, real. another
3: vintage moment like Giggs cross just days before the Cantona kick when Cantona, another clutch Cantona goal he got the winner against Blackburn in the title race uh, a late goal from a brilliant Giggs cross uh-huh. that was just basically just begging to be headed yeah absolutely and, and, he, and he got that cross because he was a Henningberg he challenged a brilliant sliding tackle yeah. And he just immediately gets up and whips the ball in. Yeah, I think maybe Ferguson even said it himself. But Giggs was as responsible as anyone for basically just ensuring that what the manager wanted went in the dressing room yeah. and ensuring that everyone rose to a certain level. Yeah, absolutely. Does that why Wayne Rooney actually? Or no, it was Carrick. Uh, we interviewed him last week at the uh, pro license uh, course, and he was talking about that story when, when he first got to United. And like they were winning, I think it was 2-0, 2-1 two two, against Watford away. This was one of his first games, and he just arrived for the Spurs. And going, if we, this was the Spurs dressing room, this would be great. We were coasting, good away win, lads. Yeah, Ferguson came in and absolutely volleys them because of how poor the performance was. But he, he, he particularly goes for gigs. Almost, almost as a lesson as well to, to the other players there, because uh, I suppose he knew gigs could handle it. Um, but gigs started having a few goes back. But then, And then apparently Carrick spoke about how it got really aggressive. And then just as Ferguson's leaving, he just turns around to Giggs and goes, I don't talk like, like that to your granddad again. Again, <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, a of man management when you get it right. Like, yeah. You just can't beat it.
0: Two's above him then. Yeah.
3: Thierry Henry. I mean, this is a player that definitely was, I should have actually left with the, the description first, a player that definitely was the best player for his team for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, Henry. And I, I think, good as Vieira was, I think it's really by distance still. I just, I mean... <laughs> I think I, I agree. I'm
1: just really proud of you for your objectivity here, mm-hmm. as an Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> well done. I was waiting for
0: someone to drop it. I'd be like, I mean, oh, yeah. do we have to? <laughs> he's only basing it on Premier League statistics,
2: so yeah, not exactly, about anything exactly, outside yeah. of that
0: international football.
3: Yeah. I've, done, I know, right? I've got my rationale for it, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, um, yeah, he, he was. But also, I think in that era, I mean, obviously, we, we mentioned a Canton earlier. Uh, where the Premier League was kind of growing in profile and in diversity, uh, and it had gone up to an international level. Yeah, even when Henri first came in, it probably still wasn't absolute top level in the, Spain, in the way that Spain still was at that time, and Italy was, but was just starting to decline. So it, it didn't have too many kind of ballon d'or level players, mm. but Henri was undeniably one of them. And, and, and you know, there's even the argument about whether he was maybe the best player in the world going into the 2002 World Cup. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal became invincible because of Thierry Henri. That,
2: mm. that season. He was just unreal. And I think it was his best season. I think yeah. he found it, you were never really going to get anyone live up to that kind of standard again. And if you were to compare him to someone, Killian Mbappe is an obvious one. And yeah. I think it's fair. His runs are almost identical to the ones Henri used to make. His finishing's very similar. He opens up his body in the same way. He goes in behind defenses in the same way. Yeah. And he started off as a winger and he turned into a striker. And. The way that he finished things was just unreal. He could, he could produce things for himself. There's a goal against Man United where he kind of chips it, swerves and volleys it yeah. into the far corner. Over Bartes, I think it was. Unbelievable goal. Um, and then there's the other ones where he would just do little dinks mm. or just sell the keeper one way and slot it. Penalties, whatever it was, you could just count on him through those years and Arsenal will probably never see someone like that yeah. again for them.
3: It was, it was also probably f- f- five years at least five years or half a decade of really world class output as well, and I don't think there's too many that can match it, particularly on forwards. Yeah, even, even Ronaldo, who obviously doesn't get into this list because of um, the regulations. Yeah, <laughs> he, he really had three seasons of that in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, uh, and even and even maybe marginally dropped in his last season. Um, yeah. it, interesting, actually. because yeah. where
0: would
2: Ronaldo rank? Because of that fact, like yeah. you say, he. He didn't have that many. By the end, obviously, he was amazing. It took but a couple of
1: years. He took to a get couple going. of years
2: where he'd do a lot of step overs and just literally run out of pitch and he was just a end bit up in an a, advertising
1: like, board. I used to find him quite amusing to watch. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because he, he was so self centered. He was a bit of a joke. Yeah, um, yeah especially it, to begin with. It's yeah. it's a hell of a transformation for him. But but, when he used to have the little blonde, twiggy highlights in his hair and just run it out of play
3: constantly. Yeah. yeah.
1: But Henri
2: would still rank, you know, yeah. if Say Ronaldo was retired right now, yeah. I still think you'd have Henri ahead of him.
3: Well, this is thing. I'd say. As a forward, maybe, and maybe as a Premier League player overall, it's like Ronaldo's oh seven eight season was better than anything we've seen, especially 40, especially forty two odd goals. Yeah, and especially because of what it achieved as well. Yeah, but I think so. I think it's the highest level we've seen. But I think Henri had a more consistent higher level. He didn't quite get to that peak, yeah. but you know, if you, you know, average it he out, came close, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and for a longer period, a longer period. To go back yeah. to
0: something Sam said earlier um, about. Players that you were absolutely terrified of, yeah, and Henri for for me was the scariest. When Fulham used to line up against Arsenal, I used to see Henri there in the gloves, gliding, and he'd be like gliding in off the left. It's almost like, how many is he going to score today? It wasn't. Right. It wasn't like a. And, and bear in mind at this point, Fulham were a good top seven, eight Premier League yeah. team. We, you know, it wasn't like it was last year in the Premier League where Fulham were getting battered every week. This was a decent side that often beat United, at, yeah. uh, especially at Craven College, that often beat the big teams. Mm-hmm. But you'd look at Omri and you'd be like,
3: Nah, not happening today. And, and, <laughs> it doesn't and, matter. And again, another player that you knew what was coming and could do nothing about. Yeah. it. That, yeah. and it's, it's amazing how many. How many keepers were just done by that finish? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are going to be thinking right now, they're like, there's no players left. Who's <laughs> that? That's, that's the thing. I mean,
1: my, but coming into this, I had a top three and it was, it was Henri and Giggs and Shearer, who you have in ninth. Yeah. I've, got, I've got your second and your third and your ninth. So where are we going with number one? Who's right. Number one? I thought,
3: see, I thought this was where you might say about national bias. <laughs> 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 uh, and I think it's because of just how much. He psychologically dominated both his team and the opposition sides, and ultimately he was the most important player for a series of title winners. So I think that that's pretty truer of this player than anyone else. So it's uh, and for more titles. So Roy Keane, and, and there's a classic story that I mean from Ian Wright, where like I mean I think this just sums up the kind of just how much Keane just. <laughs> completely consumed the Premier League and how much he, he was the standard, really. Which is when... They'd apparently played before and Keane basically taking the piss out of him and saying, like, you know, where's your, where's your, where's your winner's medal, right? Where's your winner's medal? And so on the day at the end of the 97-98 season when Roy finally gets one, he basically seeks out a camera and shouts into it, Keane, I've got a winner's medal. <laughs> and of course, that's just the... I mean... Playing, and on, I guess, playing I, on his mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and they have that winner's medal, you could even argue, because... That was one of the seasons when... And and it's amazing how much this often just coincides. It was a season where Keane was missing for the majority of the season through a cruciate injury, and United did him in the title. Yeah. Um, So he he comes back, they immediately win three in a row. Uh, And, I mean, he's just... the, The force of Keane was incredible.
2: Yeah, I mean, he had a will to succeed unlike anyone I've ever seen play football. Yeah. He was Unreal. He was, he was pretty horrible. He was a vicious person. And his yeah. leadership qualities probably would be deemed illegal in some dressing rooms these days. <laughs> the, the way just, he
3: does feel bullying. Yeah,
2: yeah. You would be done for it these days. Yeah. But it was a level of nastiness that you actually needed back then. And you've got to remember, it, well, especially when he came through like um, in the mid-90s yeah. with United and he took over the armband from Eric Cantona. Um, He lifted expectations at United. He kept them so high and he would not not let them slip at any cost. Roy Keane was the best midfielder in the world while he was playing, wasn't
0: he? Is there a modern day equivalent for people listening that didn't watch Roy Keane? Is there a player who, or a couple of players maybe, you know? that's the kind kind of figure he was, that you might need more than one player to show how important he was in the middle?
3: I I thought in terms of engine, um, at least, SEM was similar. Yeah. but yeah, geez, I- I've
2: seen people compare him to Kante and I think, well, Kante ha- in the sense that he covers every inch of grass, yeah. like Keane used to do that. And- but Keane could pass, yeah. he could head it, he could tackle, he would score goals when you needed them as well. And he had... He, he was just had a bit more about his all-round game than Cantane. He obviously was a more horrible person yeah. than Cantane. A little bit
0: the aura of Daniele de Rossi in, in
1: some of bit, regards. Yeah, totally. like you need the aggressive streak to use.
3: So between ninety five and 2001, six years, the only title United didn't win was the one where Keane was injured I and mean, now for the season. And even in between that as well, I mean, I think that injury was key, as well, not just for that season, but in terms of the transformation of Keane. Because he went from this kind of all-action, running-everywhere midfielder mm-hmm but to one who became a properly continental, really complete player. Yeah. And like, I think it's often on the right of how good his passing was. His passing was good, yeah. yeah. Hey,
1: um, it's because it's such a dominant trait will take over everything mm. that you analyse yeah, about yeah. a player. I do yeah.
2: think the, the reason for a lot of people Keane won't come as high as he has in, in Miguel's list, he did take it too far too often. And the way he would tackle people, I mean, everyone will look at the Haaland challenge as, as one that everybody will have seen at some point. On YouTube, I guess. The
1: other Haaland, yeah. not Erling. Yeah, yeah. Erling Haaland's dad, Jaftinger Haaland,
2: Halland was yeah. taken out by a knee-high Roy King tackle, um, which has become
3: kind of like... Cult, almost. I, I, and yeah. the flip side of that moment is, I mean, he did that really because of the moment that actually cost him that year, mm-hmm. which was when, in, in a game against Leeds in 97, 98 in September, he, went ch- he was having a bit of a running battle with Haaland, ch- stupidly chased after him and did his own cruciate. Well, thank you to Miguel for that. Don't go anywhere because coming
0: after the break is a fully stocked bleach Roulette and, as always, Sam's Famous Nonsense ranking. Oh. Welcome back, Rank Squad. Abandon reason, abandon rhyme. Hold on to your hats. It's roulette time. Nobody loses. We all get to win. Dean, start us off. Give her a spin. OK, your current favourite for the Champions League, Jesper M33. Now, I know, Dean... That you don't like anyone in
2: this oh, year's Champions League. Against that, it's, well, it, it's I, bad. It's so bad. I, I watched a lot of games at the weekend, and the only teams I was actually impressed with were Chelsea, <laughs> and which hasn't been the case for a long time, and Bayern Munich. Yeah. Like everyone else, whether it was Liverpool, whether it was Juve, whether it was Barcelona, Real Madrid, like nobody seems to be taking this. Season and making it theirs. I mean, I mean obviously, yeah. it is Liverpool's year. I, I totally get that. But they've gone off the boil a little bit and now they've got injuries, so they're having to just get through games at the moment. Um, I'm sticking with Juventus just because I've said it since we did our pre season. Yeah, prediction. why, why change? They're 1 0 down, yes. But I mean, I've, I've just got to stick with them because they've got Ronaldo and they're a pretty
1: good team. <laughs> if no one else is convincing you, why change?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything to convince me that there's one team nailed on yeah. to. Win the Champions League, and I couldn't tell you who even
3: deserves it. Yeah, um, City maybe just because I mean they've been obviously not been great in the league; they've been a level off. But I wonder is it going to be one of those seasons where a team looks very different in Europe because they've got a sense of mission about them. In that sense, the prospective ban could actually psychologically help them. And I was very impressed on all or nothing. Yeah, you know the series. Yeah, which yeah, is all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was in the game in Madrid where they won two one, uh, and I, I I think what was particularly impressive about that from just a pure team point of view was that for the first hour, especially when Madrid went 1-0 up through an error, or through a series of errors, it looked like this same old city in the Champions League, done again. And they really responded well. And by the end of the game, we're like in full command. Mm. Uh, I think if they can hit their best level, which I think they possibly can in the Champions League, they'll win it. Which Indeed. would be a controversial story in itself. Yeah. I
1: They'll love that on City Twitter. I'll cut that for you. I don't feel the need to change from Liverpool and just I'll just call it a blip, call it a little bit of a rough patch. Fair enough. I not I, mean, I did off. give I did give Atletico Madrid absolutely zero chance of winning this game before before it was played and you know, they did win the first leg one nil. And obviously with Allison probably out of the, uh, the the return leg, obviously we called this week, so the timings are a bit dodgy, but um, yeah, I don't really see a reason to, to leave Liverpool. And if I did, I would say Bayern Munich, because they are the only team that I watch and think, oh, you've got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, you
0: know I, I don't know what Hansi Flick's come in and done there, but, well, a little, a little bit. But in terms of actually what he's offered and what Bayern look like compared to what they look like in September, and we were saying this off the other day, that if you'd said to me in September when they played the yeah. Super Cup against Dortmund that Bayern would be probably the strongest team in Europe come February, March... Mm. I would have laughed at you, but yeah, yeah. here we are, and at the moment they look in full control. The kind of cover note I would make on that is: if I'm Atalanta, I'm looking at the Champions League, going, come on then,
3: yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. come on then, why That's not? The city of Europe, well, literally because it. you know everything we say about these, aside from Bayern Munich, who I still think could lose to someone just based on you know out of nowhere, yeah. you know, just randomly lose to City or yeah. Quite Madrid.
1: margins at a top level. Absolutely,
0: I think Atalanta have got to be looking at this and going. Not really that scared of anyone, mm. you know. We they score have more goals. The same attitude that Ajax had last season, which which mm. should have taken them to the final. We score more yeah. goals than pretty much anyone else. Yes, we're a little bit suspect at the back, but you know, games are being played in front of empty stadiums at the moment. It's all a bit we Which
3: is going to distort things in itself, I think. Yeah, Especially given so much in a Champions League and if, with Anfield being a classic example. Yeah, and which is wrapped raps, into, yeah, right? exactly. And which is wrapped into the atmosphere of it, what yeah. that does to teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, That Barca Napoli game. Yeah. Like,
1: that's,
3: yeah, exactly, yeah. We great. record
1: on Tuesday, by the way, so by the time you listen to this, Valencia would have won 4-0. Jack will yeah, my point would
0: be <laughs> I think the point still stands, that. Even, even point, if Atlanta are out, the,
1: the point is valid. The, like, point, the point stands for Leipzig in the same vein. Yeah. yeah. Why not at this point? Everyone looks so fragile.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Right. Let's give it another spin Thirteen. Unlucky for some. Okay, this is from Nikola Angelkovich. I really apologize if I butchered your name <laughs> you probably haven't right? should chelsea play billy gilmore even when everyone is fit sam i know this is the cause close to your heart
1: yeah i want to see it over a over a longer span and that would obviously mean continuing to play him because then you can figure it out and they probably need to know exactly how good gilmore is and how well equipped he is to play in the first team ahead of the summer yeah because it will shape what they do in their business have you been to either of his games
3: uh, i was at the uh liverpool game uh, and i uh, there was a slight investment here because I, this is a little a little bit of a name drop, but <laughs> about four years ago I, I went to a youth tournament near Paris, and we got talking to one of Barca's top European scouts, and Gilmore wasn't there because Scotland weren't involved. It was an international one, and he like, we got onto the subject of basically you know players in Britain or, or Ireland uh, who who could who were anything like like the level. And he said the one player who we think in in Britain that could that we'd want as a midfielder is Gilmore. Is that Bob? This is twenty sixteen. Right, so but it Barca. What, 14? Yeah. A yeah. it's Barca Fourteen, yeah, fourteen years. Yeah, and even then, like then the name is one of those things. The name has always stuck with me, yeah, because of that. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, he, he, yeah. He could, and he, yeah, remember And he, did say like we think he said at the time, everyone in England wants him. We want him, uh, looked, and I can't remember if he said whether he was going to Chelsea, but it wasn't too long Chelsea after Chelsea did
0: really well to get him. Well, yeah, Half exactly. Half a million pounds for a fifteen-year-old when he signed from Rangers to sign for Chelsea, which is a lot of money for a fifteen-year-old. Look, but, It doesn't look yeah. like it now, obviously, given that he's walked waltzed into yeah. the first team. And, and been very, very in control. But at the time, you'd been like, half a million for a 15-year-old? That's yeah. nuts. But Based on what you just
2: said, how many people do you think are going to run in the summer that uh, Barcelona are trying to
3: sign? <laughs> 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 yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll run for a while, i say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's actually exactly what Barcelona are missing at the moment. Yeah. No, very, Robert, he's very, actually, yeah. very
1: fluid, very nice. Yeah. Like... Just, a, just a nice player. Like, yeah, look, I think Frank Lampard has to play on
2: feel-good factors at, at this mm. point because that's when Chelsea have been at their best. When there's players that are just high on confidence and yeah. fitting into a system. At the Everton game at the weekend, they completely overran them. Yeah, Everton. I don't know what they were playing off with their, with their formation, really poor, yeah. and then in midfield, Ch- Chelsea just tore them apart, and that that was the game done. But um, you stick with it, you know that yeah, yeah. Billy Gilmore in this kind of form, you just keep him going and. It's-
1: Get those other players, mm. it will probably motivate them to play better when they're back in. It's quite funny, like the, the tactical synopsis of each manager of the Premier League yeah. at the end of the season. When you come to Frank Lampard, it will be when they hit a dip that he tried another youth. Yeah, yeah. Every true. time they run, a, they run a, a shorter result. So, you're like, right, <laughs> which seventeen-year-old can I play <laughs> That's now? Basically, That's, what yeah. literally, done. what happens, and they just. They perk up again there's yeah. awesome. still a few more to come in it's as like well. it's been eight already well, my wife i got ten in my hand. Yeah. eight already this season hasn't there They're eight, eight Premier League debuts from Academy products. amazing
0: <laughs> which is pretty mad
1: there you go Sam what's in the bag this week so I actually had something really really good planned with regards to football TV pitches but our Redditor Sean uh made a good point is that Miguel like, you you might genuinely be the only man in this industry that takes as much flack, or perhaps <laughs> even more, than me. In fact, your Twitter mentions column may actually look more nuclear than mine. <laughs> so we wanted to start a, a conversation about the biggest types of troll on social media. So Sean said, like, who were the, what are the biggest three types, or you know, the most aggressive? Mm. And while I was trying to figure it out, it sort of struck me that, actually, they fall into three really clear categories, and they're all player-led. So... Just oh, contra- yeah. contrast this with, with your experiences. So at number three, and this is not as much of a problem now because he's left Chelsea, but anybody, any Chelsea fan with an Eden Hazard profile picture on Twitter <laughs> was vicious. <laughs> right? And that, that, that actual, that convoy of people has actually converted themselves into a set of people who now have a picture of Mason Mount with a red X yeah. through his face. <laughs> I don't understand oh, that, any that of insane. it, that, that, that yeah. happens. Like, there are people out there with yeah. red X's through Chelsea post. Some of them are Jorginho. They've, they've, those people really like Sari. They're the ones that hate Mount, and then the ones that do like Jorginho oh, like right. Sari. Mm. so it'll be a picture of him smoking or a picture of Jorginho. It, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And Chelsea have been, I think, the most toxic fan base on Twitter for the last two years, which is a pretty serious achievement considering for, Liverpool are around. Right on the FFP. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, number two is uh, the Salah fan um i've had multiple semi serious death threats from S- salafans um mm. mostly because i leave him out of like Team of the Team of the Year or, or an All Star Premier League team team like basically f- theoretical like stuff, theoretical yeah theoretical and fictional stuff that will never happen. And yeah, I woke up the next morning and I'm, what? That's me off Twitter for twenty four hours. <laughs> the Salah fans they really back their man. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're, he has brilliant PR. He doesn't have to pay for it. <laughs> uh, and then number one, it, it has to be I'm going to conjoin them. It's the Messi Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. Because and you don't even have to post about them nowadays. No. Have you seen the state of BR football's mentions? Yeah. No matter what is, what okay, is going most on. Most days, yeah. You could, post, you could post something about Harry Kane, and the first ten replies will just be like pictures of Messi and Ronaldo. And, and, and what, what, what are these people going to do when they retire? I don't know. Which isn't too
3: far off.
0: I it's want to know too what too these people off. do every Anyone? day. Yeah. yeah. Like, do they have like? Are they really good at coding? And have this stuff like set up so it just posts every because it's a media as well. Like media, yeah. they all post a thing of just some stadiums. Yeah, and like, these are nice stadiums, aren't they? And suddenly yeah. there's like fifteen comments. Like half of them will have like like you say big X's through Ronaldo. Half of them will have like Messi with a bottle on his back. Yeah. There's all sorts of things yeah. going on, but it's it's really quite toxic in there. There was a good yeah. one
1: actually the other day I saw which someone had put an eleven a like a Barcelona eleven. Um, and every single player in the 11 that Messi had played with had won an international trophy except him so every player's face hmm. is replaced with the international trophy they've won so <laughs> the obviously won yeah, yeah. the Euros you've got like yeah. you've got PK you've got TT yeah. they've all won something even Ter has got a mm. Confederations Cup and it's just a picture of Messi crying <laughs> <laughs> it's really good content yeah. but like it's now everywhere yeah. 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 and this this is the way every, anytime you tweet about something like that it's just it's just game over there's gonna be
3: Mbappe and Billy Gilmore in future <laughs>
1: <laughs> right well that is us all for this week and all
0: that is left for me to say is say thank you so much this lot firstly to Miguel Delaney how can the listeners follow the melodrama of your (laughs) online presence Twitter Miguel Delaney there we go go. Uh, as ever thank you so much to (laughs) Dean Jones Cheers, mate. And Sam Tai. Thank you, mate. I've been Jack Collins. Thank you so much for listening. One last request for you. Get your phone out and send a mate who'd like this podcast a text or a Viber or a WhatsApp or a Facebook message. I I don't care, really. Just one of them. And tell them to have a listen. Subscribe and join the Rank Squad. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, YouTube. You name it. We're there. We'd massively appreciate it. And as we keep growing, we want more and more of you to get involved. Medal of the Week suggestions go straight to Dean Jones. We'll see you for Ranks FC at the weekend if you want to join us. Big love for the Ranks squad. Peace.